Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. This morning, I'm not going to speak for long at all, and, uh, but I do want to talk about leaving a legacy of faith. Uh, and it's, it, it's so critical. And we just saw a clip which speaks uh, of the influence uh, a mother's life has on a child. Uh, and, uh, you know, they weren't all positive stories. And yet our mums uh, have shaped much of who we are. And there's a really interesting story in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul and his offside of Barnabas, they head off on what we call their first missionary journey. So this is taking the gospel to southern Galatia and eventually they come to a, a city called Lystra. And while they were there preaching, uh, Paul actually heals a, a crippled guy and suddenly the crowd is just like, oh my goodness, th- these are gods. And they tried to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods, which Paul tried to put a stop to. And then, as is often the case, the, ter- the, the crowd just as quickly turned against them. And they actually stoned Paul so much so that they thought they'd killed him and they dragged his body outside of the city. But God raised him up. And uh, it's an incredible story. And in spite of all that hardship, in spite of all that persecution, Paul and Barnabas left a thriving, thriving church in the city of Lystra. Now in that church, we come to read in the text that there was two women, two older women, one whose name was Lois and Eunice. We find out that these two women, mother and daughter, had incredible, incredible faith. Now on Paul's second missionary journey, heading out again, this time with an offsider called Silas, they actually go back to Lystra. I have no idea why you would go back after the first episode. They get back to Lystra though and they collect Eunice's son, Timothy, to come and work as their offsider as they travelled out. And this young Timothy actually becomes like an apprentice to Paul. Timothy, we read, uh, accompanies Paul on his second missionary journey, on his third missionary journey. And then Paul finally leaves him to be in charge of the church in a place called Ephesus. And then he left and continued on his way. We have in the New Testament uh, two pretty special letters, First and Second Timothy. And this is Paul writing to his young apprentice, Timothy. And they're really special letters because it gives you great insight into the relationship between Paul and Timothy. And we have this peek into this relationship. Timothy, the young pastor, and uh, Paul, the aging apostle. And Paul is, is always encouraging Timothy, giving words to strengthen him, uh, at times rebuking him. And there's no question that these guys uh, were not just friends. 
They were partners in the gospel. They'd been companions for quite a time. And you even get a glimpse of like a father-son relationship because Paul does refer to him as his spiritual son. So there's definitely a mentoring relationship. But this was a really, really special relationship. And so in these two letters that Paul writes to Timothy, we get an insight into the great advice. He gives him some great, great advice. But I want to look at something that Paul writes in the second of these two letters. And when Paul writes this second letter, it is right towards the end of his life. And Paul, as we will read, had a great sense that his life was coming to an end. But he's also in a Roman prison. And in 2 Timothy 1 and 2, we read, To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul, realising this is perhaps the last opportunity I will have to write to Timothy. He writes to encourage him. He writes to strengthen him. But here's the thing. For all the incredible influence Paul had in Timothy's life, Paul was not responsible for Timothy's faith. The sincere faith, as he describes it, the sincere faith that he recognises in Timothy came from his mother and it came from his grandmother. And Paul, the great apostle, heading off on his second missionary journey, makes a beeline for Lystra and chooses Timothy to be a disciple and eventually to be a church leader because of what was already within him the legacy of faith that was in him. It was planted there by his mother and and by his grandmother. And the nature of that faith is discovered when Paul says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith because the word sincere there in context means it's not hypocritical. It's an unhypocritical faith. It's, It's the real deal. There's no pretense. It's not fake. There's not just some kind of religious facade that he puts on. And Timothy, as he grew, witnessed firsthand that faith in his mother and in his grandmother. He saw a faith in his mother's heart. He saw a genuine faith in his grandmother's heart. And now that same faith is alive within him. These two mothers living a sincere, sincere faith, totally devoted to God, totally committed to God. 
Timothy obviously observed that and embraced that. And parents, can I say, and it's a challenge, uh, nobody knows better whether your faith is the real deal more than your own kids. Your children will know, they will notice if your faith is the real deal, if you actually take the faith thing seriously or not. And the faith that shaped Timothy's life began in his grandmother who taught it and demonstrated it to her daughter, who taught it and demonstrated it to her son. And it was a sincere faith that took root. It was a sincere faith that impacted and was passed down through the generations. And I say, even in my own experience, I thank God for the faith of mothers that is passed down through the generations. And maybe you can identify with that. And as Paul writes this letter to Timothy, nearing the end of his life, he says in 2 Timothy 4 and 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And just a few verses earlier is actually said this in 2 Timothy 3 and 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I'm sure Paul would say to Timothy, Timothy, I'm so thankful for all that you have become. I'm so thankful for all that you have learned from me. But here's the thing, Timothy, I only built upon what was already in you. He'd say, your mum and your grandmother actually made my job really, really easy. Now, friends, not every godly mother's child is called to be a pastor or a missionary or a preacher. But I could almost guarantee that every godly mother's son would say, I learned to believe God by watching my mum believe God. I learned to pray by watching my mother pray. I learned to love the Word of God because I saw how much my mum loved the Word of God. And mums, Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from God. They are His reward. Children are like sharp arrows. Happy is the man, the woman whose quiver is full of them. And can I encourage you parents, as a father of five, most of them well and truly adults now, the season that we have to raise our children, to influence our children, to pass on a legacy of faith to our children is so incredibly short. 
It seems like only yesterday that our eldest, Rebecca, who is now 31, it seems like yesterday I put her in a bunny rug on the top of the car so I could open the car door and when I went to get her she was gone and had kind of done the ski jump thing off the back of the car onto the ground. But uh, I'm often reminded of that. I will never forget that. Or our youngest, Noah, who's 14, who's also here this morning. Uh, We were going to a wedding in Adelaide when he was just a couple of months old and we got on the plane and I thought it was a good idea to actually put him up in the overhead locker. But um, the rest of the plane thought it was a good joke and Kerry wasn't that impressed at all. But anyway. (laughs) Friends, your children aren't going to be around for, for very long at all. And to our mums, particularly to our mums who have kids going through that really demanding season, which seems like it's never going to end of being mum's taxi. Uh, Don't ever wish those demanding years away. So often we do that. Fall into that habit of going, well, it's only a season and you just kind of wish that season away. You wish that season away. Make every single day count. In 1 Corinthians 16 and 15, we read this. Stephanus and his family were the first to become Christians in Greece. And they, and I love the collective nature of this statement, They are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. I love that. There was a call upon the family corporately. They together served and helped wherever they could. And I think one of the best things that we can do as parents is instill in our children's hearts that our family is actually God's idea. That, that God has brought this family unit together for a kingdom purpose. And together we are living our lives on mission for God. Which means we've got to be praying together. We've got to be in the Word together. We've got to be serving together. Even when your kids are little, just do simple things like sponsoring a compassion child, which gives you a focus, which recognizes it's about others, it's not about me. And you're praying for that child and giving to that child and going without so that that child can have the things that we don't have. Just simple things like that, that draw us together on mission and say, God, we're here to be a source of blessing to others. Praying together, serving together, doing life, doing faith together. I remember when Esther was about eight and uh, prior to planting this church, My life was just on a plane every other day, going somewhere to and fro and spending a lot of time away from the family. And I was tucking Rebecca into bed one night and uh, she was about eight and I'm on a plane first thing the next morning. I was going to be gone before she had woken up. And uh, as we sang our prayers together, She said something which touched my heart and uh, it was one of those moments that I'll never forget. And she said, God, I'm going to miss Daddy when he goes, but I'm going to let him go because I know he's telling people about you. 
And that was just a wonderful reminder that we're in this together. And my life and my ministry has involved a lot of travel time. And we've done the best that we can to say to our kids or never to say to our kids, dad's gone away to work. It's always dad's away on ministry. And again, as a family, we're called to this together. Acts 16 and 33 says the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. And when we get this right, when we are, when we are growing in faith together as a family, there are those moments of joy that only God can bring. And every morning when we pray with our kids before they head off to school, one of the things that I just want to reinforce is we lift from a position of gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you for your blessings in our life. Thank you for the privileges that we enjoy, that we choose to live from a position of gratitude. And can I say, Kerry and I are so incredibly proud. As we've said, our church is 18. Mother's Day 2004, we started. And here we are today. And we look around, particularly these couple of rows here, wrap bags. All of these young people that have grown up from the earliest days of kids' life, and many of these guys now serving on platform, Gabby singing, I shouldn't call names because they're all doing stuff, leading in youth, just developing and seeing them grow in the things of God. And, and as founding pastors, we couldn't be prouder of that and seeing that journey. Now, we're not taking credit for that because it begins in the home. But to see that next generation of disciple coming through so excites us. Personally, to see our eldest daughter, Rebecca, so committed to the cause of Christian education, so committed to missions, so committed to loving God. And as a father and daughter, we've had great times together, visiting places like India, going to Israel together. Just just been awesome to see her now leading a life group leading our young adults and I'm just sharing from a father's heart not in any way to boast this morning to see our eldest son and his wife as the creative directors of Enjoy Church in Hobart just we're in this together it's a journey together to see Aaron and his wife Caitlin now married 12 months where did that time go but he loves serving out in kids' life. And the kids love crawling all over him because he's a big bloke. Uh, even to see uh, Esther when she comes and sings and just, I mean, we went out there and led worship at Port Sorrel last Sunday. And I've got to say, as a dad leading worship with his daughter, there's something special about that. And even Noah, who uh, was on the door this morning and had to wear a tag to remind himself that he's here to help. Um, <laughs> But to see him on the welcome roster and now wants to go out and serve in kids' life as well. And again, this is just a proud dad speaking. But we see it in the life of Timothy because it was planted there by his grandmother and by his mother. And friends, it does start in the home. And when we get this right, 
the future of God's kingdom, the future of His church is robust and it is exciting. Can I hear an amen? And together, as we gather as a spiritual family, I fully recognise and am sensitive to the fact that all of our family of origin stories are totally, totally different. And for some of us, we carry the scars and the pain of that. Let me say you're in the right place this morning because we are a spiritual family under God. And we do find those parenting figures, those mother figures in our life who so inspire us and encourage us even when our own story has been one of pain and hurt. That's what I love about the church. And God calls us family. So friends, let me encourage you. And in a second, Megan's going to come and close the morning with a beautiful song. In fact, we'll probably get the team back up after that as well and we'll worship one more time. But as we gather today as a church, as a body of believers, as a spiritual family, every single one of us will have stories of those people in our lives who have so shaped us and influenced us. For the majority, that will include our parents. But for each one of us, there have been significant people who have shaped our discipleship journey. And our mums, for many of us again, are at the top of that list. And mums, we thank you for that commitment. And we thank God for the influence of our mums, our grandmothers, our spiritual mothers, and other women in our lives who have been those mothering influences for us. Amen.